Things are not going very well for the Detroit Pistons. They've lost 14 straight games. They're the worst team in the NBA. However, there is some bright spots, I guess, if you want to look for them. And one of them has to do with their second-year, fifth overall pick, Jane Ivey, who's looked pretty good over the last few games. We're going to talk about that in today's episode of the Locked On Pistons podcast. You are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's the deal? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Pistons podcast. Per usual, I am your host, Kuka Hill. You can find me over on Twitter, at Kuka Hill. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel, at Locked On Pistons. Hit that subscribe button, or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. Later on, we'll talk about, is Isaiah Stewart regressing? He started off the year pretty hot from beyond the arc, but hasn't been shooting the same way over the last, actually, few weeks. Um, We'll talk about whether there's reason to worry about that. Um, And there was also a report from Mark Stein where he, 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 there's a little quote. There's there's a little little quote in there about the Detroit Pistons and about Tom Gores. And we'll talk about that as well later, so stay tuned for that. But I want to start off with a positive. The Pistons, obviously, are not in a great spot right now. They, I don't know if I can remember a time that they've been lower. It's been, it's been a while. We've talked about that a lot. But over the last few games, and I said this on the last podcast, at the very end of the last podcast, I said that there is a very dim, I'd say, <laughs> light at the end of the tunnel because it is dark like I don't want to minimize that I, I don't want to take off any pressure off the franchise or or you know give any excuses or act like that's not the forefront it is but there is a light at the end of the tunnel that you can see and it has to do with the play of the Detroit Pistons two franchise guards Jaden Ivey and Kay Cunningham I want to focus on Jaden Ivey the second year player for the Detroit Pistons their fifth overall pick from last year who's playing extremely well for the Detroit Pistons the last few games. And if you want to be honest, I think he's played really well for the majority of this season. He hasn't been able to play a ton of minutes because he didn't start to, uh, to start the season. He wasn't playing a lot of minutes to start the season for, you know, we've talked about that a lot on the podcast for the reasons behind it. Obviously, his defense and what the, you know, the motive was behind it. But on the season, um, a 62-2 shooting percentage, that's well above league average, um, 12.7 points. 3.2 assists, 2.9 rebounds, um, 52% from the field, 35% from deep, 63% on all twos, 75% on, on all free throws. Um, his per 36 numbers this year is 19.3 points a game, 4.9 assists. Um, per 100 possessions, he's averaging 25.7 points. Um, so if he was getting more minutes, his numbers on the season would look better. But then if you just go to his last three games that he's played, and his first, when he was brought into the starting lap, his first game was the Toronto Raptors game, which we all know how that went. But since the Denver game, the last three games he started, he's averaging 19 points a game, 4.3 assists, 4.3 rebounds. He's shooting 61% from the field, 40% from deep. Not, not great from free throws, 69%, but still very efficient 
And I think not only do the numbers back it up that he's playing well, I think the eye test very clearly shows that Jane Ivey's playing much, much better. And I honestly feel like, and this is something that we talked about with Jane Ivey last season, which is why I said throughout the offseason, Pistons fans should feel really good about Jane Ivey. Because Jane Ivey, where he was at the beginning of his rookie season, compared to where he was at the end of his rookie season, was a vastly different basketball player. He improved in just about every area you could have asked him to improve in. He was a completely different player by the end of last season. At the beginning of last season, he couldn't shoot any kind of shot in between the three-point line and the rim. It was off balance, couldn't stay under control. At the end of the year, he was shooting pull-up middies. He was under control. Uh, he started to learn how to play with the pace. I think still last year he struggled with you know, knowing when to tune it down a little bit, when to not go 100% uh, speed, you know, not go crazy at all times. But he got better with it last year. And then the, so far through 12 games this year, I think he's done, or 13 games he's played, I'm sorry. I think he's done an even better job with that, knowing how to change pace, knowing when to use his speed and when to slow things down. I think he's, absol- he's, I think he's been absolutely fantastic with that this year. He looks like a much more mature basketball player. And that's after just one year in the NBA. And throughout the offseason and throughout the beginning of the season, he sounded like a much more mature basketball player. He said all the right things, all the things I've heard about him all offseason, much more mature basketball player on and off the court. Um, Seems like he's really growing into a professional basketball player. And And I think it's showing itself on the court. I've been very, very pleased with how he's looked this year. And I think he looks even better defensively over the last few games than he did at the beginning of last year, or at the beginning of this year, and definitely last year. I think he looks more engaged defensively. I think he's trying to make plays. I've said this before. I don't think Ivy's ever going to be a good defender, and I don't think he's been a good defender at all. But I think he's been a better one. And you like him to just get to a point of passable, get to a point where you're trying, giving energy. Again, I, I don't think Ivy being an average defender is probably ever going to be in his cards. But that's not where he's going to make his bread. If he can just be a passable defender, everything he does offensively will shine bright. And it won't be as big of an issue, him defensively. He can just be passable. And I think over the last few games, he's been passable. He's trying out there. I, I respect that. He's giving effort. Still can be better, but he's getting, giving effort. And then the main area, the main area that he's been astronomically better at this year so far is his finishing around the rim. You guys remember all last year we talked about how explosive of an athlete Jane Ivey was. However, he was one of the worst finishers in the entire NBA last year. And it was quite puzzling because he wasn't a bad finisher in college. And one of the things that you expected him to be great at coming into the league was going to be finishing, his ability to get to the basket. And trust me, he was able to get to the basket last year. But according to Synergy, he was in the 12th percentile around the rim. That's horrific. He was one of the worst finishers in the entire NBA this past or last season. However, this year, for the Detroit Pistons, he's been much, much better. And when I say much better, I mean he's been one of the best finishers in the NBA so far. This year, he's in the 86th percentile around the rim. 
or 86th percentile when it comes to layups around the rim in the half court. He's been absolutely fantastic. Getting to the rim, knowing when to slow down, not turn the ball over as much. I like how he's taking care of the ball a little bit better than last year. Now, obviously, a lot of that, I think, has to do with the fact that he's averaging fewer minutes than last year. But I just feel like he's been a much more mature player. He's improved in almost every aspect of his game. And how much better of a finisher he is is the direct reason why he's been so much a much better, I should say, efficient player, much more efficient player this season. Last year, he shot 45% on all two-pointers. Not great. This year, he's shooting 63% on all two-pointers. I said this during the offseason, and I think you're seeing it backed up now. Jane Ivey has a legit future to be an elite three-level scorer. Someone who can hit movement threes from beyond the arc, pull-up threes, that can hit pull-up middies, that can score in floaters, and obviously get to the basket and score around there. And I'll even say this. I think he looks even more explosive this year than he did last year. I don't know if it's because he's knowing when to choose his spots, when to pick his spots, and when to ramp it up all the way to 100 compared to last year where he was just always 100. But his first step looks even better. His, I feel like his athleticism is, I mean, it goes back kind of to the pace, but I feel like his athleticism is more controlled now. I just think he looks like a much better basketball player. And I think his numbers on the season would reflect that very clearly if he was averaging 30 minutes on the season. But we all, you know, we're all aware of what happened at the beginning of the year, you know, what was, you know, what was going on. The reasons, you know, we've tried to explain them. But nonetheless, if he was playing more minutes, his numbers would look much, much better. Much better. I think Ivy has looked fantastic this year. And if anything, you can pull... From a 14-game losing streak, I said this at the end of last podcast, you should feel good about where Kay Cunningham and Jane Ivey are as a, as a duo. Both those guys look like they can fit. They look like they really thrive playing together. And over those last three games where Jane Ivey's playing really well, Kay Cunningham also has looked really good. 28 points a game, 7 assists, 1.3 steals, only 3.3 turnovers, which is much better than where he's at in the season. from the three-point line for Cade over those last three games. So both of them have looked much better over the last three games. Cade's also had a 55.62 shooting percentage over the last three games. So both those guys playing together, they help each other a ton. So I hope we see more of them playing together, and I'm really proud of where Ivy's at. And I think he's showing how good of a player he, one, already is, and just how great he can become. He's playing really, really well. Really well. And Pistons fans should feel good about his development and where he's at and where he's going. So I think Jane Ivey's been fantastic, man. I, I think he's been absolutely fantastic. Um, and actually, there is there is one more thing I want to point out before we move on, if I can get to it. My my PC just froze on me. Um, you know what? We'll talk about it when we come back. Um, because my PC is really, it, it's frustrating me. It just froze. Oh, okay. It just loaded up. Never mind. It's right here. Um, over the last four games, this was tweeted out by our friend Jack Kelly over at MBL does digital media over there for them. Over the last four games with Ivy as a starter, the Lamps featuring Cade, Jaden, and Asar Thompson have a plus 0.7 net rating. Now, that's not great on face value, but when you then take into account the Pistons are losing by at least 19 points, an average of 19 points over the last four games, but when those three are sharing the floor, they're beating teams. That's quite the swing. That's quite the swing. 
So again, those three guys I think are showing they can play together. It's just about putting the right pieces around them, having your front office, or then getting a front office that can do it. Whichever one has to happen, it doesn't matter. Just get players around those three. It looks like they can play together. They know how to play together, and they play well. So just get the right pieces around them. You should be good. Um, but let me know what you guys think about that and what you guys think about Jane Ivey's play so far this year. Let me know in the comment section down below or over on Twitter at Kuka Hill. When we come back, is Isaiah Stewart regressing? We'll talk about that when we come back. I know he's your one of your, some of you guys' favorite player, but we got to be honest about what we're seeing over the last few games or over the last, I'd say, two weeks. We'll talk about that when we come back. But first, I've got to tell you guys about one of our sponsors, eBay Motors. Our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Basketball host Josh Floyd, one of the best Locked On hosts across the entire company. Absolutely love Josh. He does a great job to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long. Whether you're prepping for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to provide you with players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. So let's see who Josh has picked out for us on this week's eBay Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. And last week, he had Jane Ivey. This week, he has Jane Ivey again, and he's recognizing. Josh sees it. Jane Ivey has been playing much, much better over the last few weeks since he was entered into the starting lineup. The Pistons have looked much better. He's looked better. Now, actually, maybe let me backtrack. The Pistons have looked much better because they've lost still. They're on the 14-game losing streak. But Jane Ivey has looked much better. He's playing really well. If you haven't already and he's available for you, definitely should go pick up Jane Ivey. Fantastic pick by Josh. Another player that he has on the list, former Pistons Sadiq Bey, who was elevated into the starting lap with Jalen Johnson out. Um, that could be another good pickup for you guys as well. But Jane Ivey, I, I think that's a fantastic one. He's going to be absolutely fantastic, I feel like, for the rest of the year. And if he is on the waiver wire, you definitely should be going down there and picking him up in your fantasy leagues. Josh Lloyd from Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to help you win your fantasy basketball championship. And eBay Motors knows a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit same thing with your vehicle. And for those of you guys who've been listening to the podcast all these years that I've been here for the last two and a half years, I think three years now, you guys know that I was a delivery driver over the last few years. And my car always constantly broke down and trying to find the right parts and trying to find the right parts for a good price was constantly a struggle for me. But it's not with eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof rack, Bumpers, wherever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or you'll get your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Again, that is ebaymotors.com. eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply at ebaymotors.com. So I want to thank you guys again for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. You can hit that subscribe button at the YouTube channel or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. We are nearing 7,000 subscribers at the YouTube channel. If you have not already, please hit that subscribe button. That's going to be a big milestone for the community. Like I said before the season, our goal is to hit 10,000 by the end of this season, I think it's possible, but I'm going to need your guys' help. So, again, hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. I would really, really appreciate it. Um, Isaiah Stewart, the Pistons starting four. He started off the season 
playing really, really well. He started off the season, you know, on fire from deep. Through the first eight games of the year, Isaiah Stewart was shooting 46.4% from deep on just 3.5 attempts. But that is a really good percentage. He was shooting really, really, really well. And a lot of Pistons fans, you know, and rightfully so, were taking victory laps and, you know, Stu is here. Stu has arrived. And like I said, rightfully so. In a season like this, take as many happy moments and victory laps as you can because, you know, like we've seen through 17 games, there's not going to be many victories to see. So it's like, definitely I have no problem with Pistons fans at, at any point possible trying to find some happiness and, and some victories along the way. Absolutely no problem at all. However, over the last, I, since November 10th, so over the last few weeks, two and a half weeks, Isaiah Stewart has not shot the ball well um, for the Detroit Pistons. Over the last nine games for the Detroit Pistons, he is shooting 32% on 4.1 attempts, 40% from the field, um, 10.2 points, 6.9 rebounds, 1.1 assists, 1.0 blocks. Um, do I, I think it's very clear that you're seeing Isaiah Stewart regress. He was not going to be a 46% three-point shooter. What you want to find out, if you're the Detroit Pistons with Isaiah Stewart, is where is he actually at? He's probably somewhere in between, obviously, that 46% and 30%. I take a guess and say he probably is like a 32 33% three-point shooter, which it isn't horrific, but it's not good either. I think that's probably where he's at right now. And for, like I said last year with Isaiah Stewart, for his own personal development, for him to go from not shooting threes, and on this season, on the totality of this season so far, through both those stretches, he's at 38%. So if he can, you know, stay around 37, 36, 38%, that would be a really good spot for him. But like I said last year for him, to go from not shooting threes at all, really, to taking 4.1 attempts last year and shooting 32%, that was probably where I expect him to be at, 32%. I know a lot of Pistons fans expect him to be around 40%. You know, they thought he was going to be a sharpshooter. He wasn't that, but that's a good development for him. I, I did not expect him to go from never shooting threes to oh, now shooting four threes a game and being like a 40% three-point shooter. It wasn't going to happen. So I think he probably is around a 33, you know, three-point shooter. I think that's a 33% three-point shooter. I think that's where he's probably at. The problem with that for the Detroit Pistons is, one, even when he was at the 46% from deep, it's not like he was carrying a bunch of gravity with that. It wasn't like defenses were like, oh, we can't leave Stu. They're still asking you to hit Stu and have him take a, a lot of threes, have him take a high volume of threes, which doesn't help the spacing on the floor. The other problem that's been with that is that almost all of his attempts, almost all of his attempts are wide open attempts, according to NBA.com, when you have at least four, four feet of space from the n- nearest defender. So every shot he's taking, basically, is a wide open shot. There is no degree to, of difficulty to his shots. It's not like he's taking movement threes. It's not like he's taking semi-contested threes. It's not like guys, again, late contest on him, he's taking those threes. It's not like he's taking, you know, a lot of threes. He's not taking a lot of threes, and the threes he are taking, he is taking, are wide-open threes because the defenses want him taking them. 
which in totality will is is hurting the Pistons lineup, especially, you know, in the first eight games when he was shooting forty six percent, you can somewhat get away with it. Because if you're going to shoot nearly 50% on shots that they're just going to give you from beyond the arc, then yeah, I mean, it is what it is. I guess you continue to feed them and keep going until he misses. But I think everyone really in their in the heart of hearts knew that Isaiah Stewart was not 50% three-point shooter, okay? I think everyone knew that. And now he's fallen to 32% over the last few games. And this past game, he shot one of seven from deep. And and this is the 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 problem that... Pistons fans and, and the Pistons are going to run in to with Isaiah Stewart. And it's the fact that if he's not going to shoot 40, 40%, 40 plus percent from deep, there's not much else he's bringing you offensively. If we're just being honest, he's not really bringing anything else. And when you already have a Sar Thompson on the floor who can't shoot, you have Jalen Dern on the floor who can't shoot. And then you have Isaiah Stewart, who at the very at the very least is a streaky shooter, I'd say. Like if you don't want if you want to say anything, he's at the very least a streaky shooter. It's not it's not going to spell great things for Cade Cunningham and Jay Nivey. It's just not. And it, it, the thing is with again with Asar Thompson. At least he brings, you know, he's bringing insane defense, great, you know, athleticism, cuts, finishing ability, you know, all the secondary playmaking, like all of that stuff. Jalen Dern, obviously the screen setting, diving to the rim, the gravity is a lob threat, his passing. He's bringing that. I talked about this in the offseason with Isaiah Stewart. He has not been a good finisher around the rim since his rookie season. This season, he's a bad finisher again. At the rim, he's below average, 29th percentile, according to Synergy. As a catch-and-shooter, he's in the 36th percentile. When he's guarded, he's at the 26th percentile. And it's not much better when he's unguarded. When he's unguarded, he's in the 42nd percentile. So basically what I'm getting at is the Pistons need to get a better power forward. They need to get themselves a better power forward. He's shooting 32% on catch-and-shoot threes. They need to get themselves a forward that will help their guards. Because we're asking Stu to simply be such a great three-point shooter where everything else doesn't matter is just not feasible, it's not going to happen, and you're asking, you're then setting Stu up for failure. Stu should be playing 20 minutes, 15, 20 minutes off the bench. That's his role. He's a role player. He can give you energy. He can do some stuff. Not saying he's not an NBA player. He's a, he can be a fine role player. But you're asking him to do too much for you, and he's not equipped to do that. And not only, again, is it setting him up for failure and setting him up for criticism, it's, it's hurting your guards, Cade and Jaden. It's not giving them space. It's not surrounding them with the right players they need. If the Pistons had a two-way spacer at that position that, you know, was, you know, board, let's say if they had like a borderline all-star at that position, it would change everything for what this team could be. It would change everything. You could maybe get away with having a star and Jalen Duren on the floor. But you can't get away with having Asar, Duran, and Stu on the floor at the same time. It just is not going to happen. You're not going to get away with it. So I'd like to believe that around December 15th when free agents can be traded, that I'm not saying they'll trade Stu. I'm not asking for them to trade Stu. I'm simply saying I hope that they then try to go acquire a guy who can play the forward position or maybe the three position. You move Asar up to the forward position. Either way, a wing player, a big wing player, like 6'9", 
six eight six nine, and play them at the four. Start them so Stu can go to what his role should be on this team moving forward as a bench player. You can appreciate what he does more while also giving the starting lineup and your two guards what they need. Along, not even just the two guards, Asar Thompson. What he needs as well in the starting lineup, which is a, a legit spacer at the four position. It's a win-win for everybody. That's what they need. So let me know what you guys think about that. Do you guys agree, disagree? Let me know in the comment section down below or over on Twitter at Kook Hill. When we come back, Mark Stein had some things to say about the Detroit Pistons ownership. I want to give my uh, thoughts on what he had to say when we come back. But first, I've got to tell you guys about one of our sponsors, FanDuel. As the weather gets colder, and trust me, it's especially if you're in Michigan, it's getting colder. The NFL stays hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use, and there's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. And guys, look, I made a mistake the other day, man. When the Pistons played the Wizards, I took the Pistons for some reason. For some reason, I, I drank the Kool-Aid. I took the minus eight on the Detroit Pistons. And quite obviously, that you know that just that didn't happen. They lost by 19. It was a bad, bad bet by me. Bad, bad one. But that's the kind of thing you can do over at FanDuel. And I don't think you have to worry about seeing the Pistons favored again for quite a while. Actually, I don't know when they'll be favored again. But you don't have to worry about that. But that is the kind of thing you can do over in FanDuel, along with a bunch of other stuff as well. You can combine a bunch of different same, bunch of different um, options into a same-game parlay with FanDuel. It's amazing. So visit FanDuel.com slash on and kick off the NFL in the NBA season. And if you're new to betting, I'm telling you, FanDuel is the best one to go out there and, and try out. It's very easy, very self-explanatory. You'll feel like a veteran by the end of the first day of using FanDuel. So again, visit FanDuel.com slash on to kick off the NFL season and start up with the NBA season. That's with FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. So I want to thank you guys again for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Locked On Pistons, hit that subscribe button, or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. Is another great way to support the podcast. So a little quote, not nothing big time at all, just a quick two, short two sentences from a recent uh, Marcus Stein, or not Marcus, Mark Stein, I should say, article where he's talking about all things NBA. He talks about the Pistons just a little bit. And I just want to read this for you guys. He says in this article, quote, talking about the Pistons and you know, if seats are getting hot, for the, and I'm getting this from Pistons Fleet, some of my guys over there, Road, Dope, shout out to you guys, uh, Don, shout out all of you guys over there. Um, they tweeted this out, and it is it says, quote, where would the pressure even come from? Ownership seems so disengaged to me, end quote. And again, this is about whether seats are getting hot in Detroit, whether things are going to change in Detroit. And if this is true, it's incredibly discouraging, disheartening, and it probably sucks for a lot of Pistons fans to hear this, if it's true. If it's true, that's tough. That's tough. Because I'm not going to be honest. I'm, I'm, not that I'm not going to be honest. I am going to be honest. My goodness, I can't talk tonight, apparently. But I'm going to be honest with you guys. You guys know 
over the last few years on the podcast, I've actually come on here and said, yeah, you know, some of the things Tom Gores maybe does outside the Pistons, I'm not going to speak on, aren't, you know, I'm not going to speak on it, but not great, you know, maybe in investments or things you want to be a part of, but whatever. I've thought that, you know, he's been a fine owner. When you want him to spend money, he spent money routinely. Um, he's put his money where his mouth is. Now, it hasn't translated to success, but he puts his money where his mouth is. When you want him to spend money, he does. Um, he's okay. He, he's okayed big moves to try and make the roster better. He wants to try to win. Um, they've tried numerous times to try, you know, to their own, you know, fault of being like a mediocre team, but it was because they were trying and he was wanting to be a good team. So at the very least, you know, he was engaged and wanted this team to be good and, you know, put his money where his mouth is. But if this is true, I take back everything I said about him. Everything I said about that then. The fact, if if ownership is disengaged and just doesn't care about this start from the Pistons, like, how could you, how could that be the case? How could that, how could that be the case at all? Like, I really, part of me really wants to say it's hard to believe that this is true. But Mark Stein wouldn't just say this for no reason. He has sources across the league. He's been around the league for a very long time. He wouldn't just say this if this was not true. So the Pistons may have a problem from the top down, if that's true. If that's true, they have a problem. And part of that, you know, takes me down a different route that makes me believe, makes me believe that this season, you guys remember the last episode when I told you guys, hey, either you lied or you didn't do your job correctly. Either way, it's a problem. Well, I'm talking about the ownership in the front office, what they said before the year about how they want to be competitive. They want to be playing meaningful games in March and April. They want to be competing for stuff. I'm assuming they meant like playing and stuff. You know, you want wanted to be a team that wasn't out of the, you know, resting players in February because your team was so bad that you're just, you know, you're tanking at that point. You want to be playing meaningful games at the end of the year to try to fight for the plan. Obviously, that's not going to be the case with this team. So I said either you lied about that or you just didn't do your job correctly. If this report is true, I think it's very clear that that means you're going down the route of you lied. Because that makes me believe the reason why he's not panicking, Tom Gores that is, the reason why we're hearing that the front office isn't panicking, the reason why we're hearing that you know there's not going to be some big move that happens or anything, that there's no hot seats going on, people aren't engaged, you know, all, the reason why we're hearing stuff like that is because this was expected. This is what they want, this is what they thought was going to happen. They're not shocked by what's going on because this was part of the plan. And honestly, throughout the offseason, I was one of the main ones telling you guys, hey, they're not, I don't believe them. They're not, you know, I don't think they're trying to be really good this year. I don't think they're trying to be a playing team this year. Now, I did not believe that they wanted to be the worst team in the NBA bad. And maybe they, maybe Weaver didn't believe that they'd be the worst team in the league again, but they are. And I think if this is true, if this report is true, it basically tells me that that must mean that this season is not going far off away from what their plan was. They expected to be bad again this year. They wanted to be bad again this year. They wanted another top pick. They wanted, you know, to give the young guys more more playing time still. They wanted to give them some more run. And they purposely put up a roster that they knew would not win many games. And that's why, after a 14-game losing streak when they're at the bottom of the league, they're not freaking out like a bunch of Pistons fans who had higher expectations because this is what their expectation was, or it was close to that. And if you add that third route to the you lied well, basically, it's, it's like you took the, you lied route, and then there was a little detour. You know, there was a little side street you could take off of it. If you go down that route, you still arrive at the same destination that we had last podcast where it's not good. That's not good. It's bad. Either way you arrive, it's bad. 
the town you arrive in is called It's Bad. Either way, no matter what, you know, what side street you take, what route you take, what road, you arrive at It's Bad Town. So I'm not going to lie to you, man, with the losing, you know, the losing has been tough. If this report's true, does ha- even this report coming out, but if this report tr- is true, it just makes things even, like, tougher. It, it, like, it really does make, like, a rainy day even worse for Pistons fans right now. And I feel I feel for Pistons fans. I feel for the Pistons community because you guys don't deserve this kind of stuff. But this is, you know, it, it's... The fact that it sounds like that no one really is bothered. In fact, it sounds like people aren't really bothered by the fact that you're, you've lost 14 straight games is, is disheartening to hear. It... It's disheartening to hear for a team that has three championships and once made six straight Eastern Conference Finals less than 20 years ago. It's, it's you know, it's disheartening to hear, but it is what it is. Let me know what you guys think about that in the comment section down below or over on Twitter at Cooker Hill. That's all I've got for you guys today. Thank you guys for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. Hit that subscribe button to the YouTube channel. Leave us a five-star review, whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. And until next time, I'll see you guys later. Stay safe out there. Until next time. Peace out.